0: Yo, yo, another week, another fight podcast. As always, it's your boy Mayron and Dave. Uh, We were discussing how we would survive the zombie apocalypse, and I think we both determined that neither of us wants to be Will Smith and I am Legend. Is that a fair statement?
1: That is a fair statement. We're also in the process of developing a straight-to-TV movie around a
0: guy who grapple zombies not a zombie <laughs> attempts to use the vjj uh t- video tutorials to do so that's how he learns how to fight purely from the leftover video tutorials <laughs> after the zombie about. starring Nicolas cage coming soon <laughs> oh man it's been a fun couple weeks for fights i think there's been a lot of good movement a lot of big headliners uh i think we should start on the boxing side of things so you know, we missed last week and there was a there was a barn burner of a fight, just like an amazingly exciting one in Burchell Valdez. Did you want to go over that and sort of like what that means and what happened?
1: Sure. So going into the fight and just looking at Oscar Valdez since he moved up to 130, I thought it was going to be a massacre. I thought Burchell was just going to run right through him and there'll be a dominant performance from Miguel Burchell. And it actually turned out to be the complete opposite oscar valdez completely dominated gilbert child and scored probably a early front runner for knockout of the year
0: yeah and like
1: still go ahead still pretty shocked about it to be honest
0: yeah and obviously also performance of like the year like in terms of boxing because like he did so well you know what i'm saying like obviously you have other people like know bunny and other people who dominated more but i was very very impressed by that by that fight and that showing i think the entire time like not the entire time but like he had him wobbled for most of the fight you know what i'm saying he hurt
1: him bad in like either the third or the fourth round round, yeah and he was just never he never recovered from that
0: dude was on autopilot and since then he was just taking hits yeah and that knockout, like he didn't even see it coming, man. It was it was bad. He, he came into the punch.
1: Yeah, he was in desperation mode, trying to do something. Came forward, swinging crazy chin straight up in the air, and Oscar Valdez landed what I'm guessing I can now call the Eddie Reynoso signature left hook because <laughs> it's like all of his fighters have it. And throughout the ear right? Yeah, very scary knockout.
0: Yes, terrifying. We were very concerned when the dude wasn't getting up. We're very happy he got up and thank God he's okay.
1: Yeah. It wasn't like, like we've seen knockouts where guys get knocked out cold, but they're at least like somewhat responsive. Mm-hmm. And then they just take a while to get up. But like he was like flat on his back, like not moving at all for a good two minutes.
0: Yeah, something. it was a couple minutes we were sitting there like, oh my God, is he going to get up? And it was, it was scary. That was one of the scarier moments. Like, do you think that fight should have been stopped earlier? Like, or is it just like that's just the game? it's kind I think of that's just the game, right?
1: I think as a ref, I might have stopped it when he got hurt in the first, when he got the standing eight, because he got saved by the ropes. Yeah. Because he got hit at the very end at the bell, and he was like really, really hurt. And I might have, I as a ref might have stopped it in the corner but i can understand why that didn't and he didn't like he was getting dominated for the rest of the fight but it wasn't like he was like getting hurt every five minutes like every time like he got hurt in between that knockdown and the knockout but it wasn't like he was
0: getting like he was there he was still there you know he was still but he was still getting beat he's still getting beat for sure yeah it was you know it was scary but it was exciting so what happens now to both of them or i guess the winner really is more important
1: uh, well he called out Shakira stevenson which right. is interesting since he ducked him at 126 but you know eh, whatever i think that's a good fight Um, Do you think he'll do
0: it? I would still pick Shakira to win. Yeah, I would too.
1: Because I just think
0: that the things that worked against Miguel Bruchel would not work against Shakira Stevenson. Shakira Stevenson's a better boxer. But, like, do you think that would actually happen in this fight? Or is it just, like, them talking?
1: Uh, it should. But, you know, I don't know.
0: We didn't mention this in, like, our our Mm pre-pod.
1: But Top ranks in a weird position right now with the whole Teofimo Lopez
0: negotiations. Let's talk about that, actually. Let's talk about that before we... Because it's to the important,
1: because it. I think yeah. it leads up to...
0: Exactly. Like, to the next, what's the next going topic. on with
1: Bud, what's going on with
0: everybody else. Yeah, but so explain this to me. There's, hold on, hold on. Before you start, explain the process of bidding, first of all, because I think a lot of people just don't know what the fuck that is. Okay,
1: so... Purse bids and stuff like that only really occur when there's a mandatory. So... In this case, I believe it was the IBF uh, mandated that George so feed the challenger to Tifima Lopez's IBF bill. So, when that happens, basically, the promoters are given 30 or so days to negotiate before it goes to purse bids. So, it's basically like the promoters get first rights. So, if they can negotiate a proper fee for both fighters, then the fight just goes on normally. Uh, in this case, I think Teofimo Lopez wanted $5 million
0: mm-hmm.
1: to fight, and I think Top Rank wanted to give him, like, one or two. It was a low a low
0: number. It was a low. But, but you know, it was a on.
1: pandemic, and I think that um, it actually came out later that his managers, like, we were going we to go for 2.5 because, you know, it's a pandemic and whatever. But um, they couldn't negotiate that price. So it went to purse bid. So in a purse bid, literally anybody that has money can and is a legitimate boxing promoter, or it might even be like a sports thing. But yeah, could the UFC US sure come in promoters.
0: and say, hey, I want to bid on this Tiafema Lopez fight? I don't think so. I'm almost positive they have to be boxing. Boxing only only. promotion. Okay. So, but any of them can. It leads into my next question about who won. I'm like, they're considered boxing only, but continue.
1: (laughs) So, oh, what my co-host is alluding to is that Triller, who put on the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. card, which was good, to be fair. The fights were terrible, but like the actual... The presentation was fine the, the, yeah. the show was good so they oh they grossly overpaid like six million dollars or so um top rank was actually they bid the third most which is like two six and then I think matchmen did like three something and so that those those numbers trailer.
0: are split between the two fighters and the promoting companies and everything right, right? so
1: every purse bid is 65-35 uh, 65 goes to the champion and 35 goes to the challenger so I think after like top rank gets their share which is like $725,000 or so mm-hmm. they really would only have had to pay Teofimo Lopez like $100,000 more when he would be getting with Triller or something like that.
0: Right, but they didn't.
1: Yeah. And then, this is even crazier. There were emails released of, like, some collusion going on between Top Rank and Matchroom. Oh. Where Top Rank was telling Matchroom to, like, not bid or... Yeah, crazy <laughs> shit. There's <It was> some <laughs> interesting shit going on here. like, But... The reason why I bring this up and the reason why secure Stevenson is because this isn't the first time top rank has had some interesting relations with their fighters. You know, we talked about the Terrence Crawford thing back in December. So it's like, it's really not looking good for top rank in regards to like, whether a boxer wants to be promoted by them.
0: So I have a question. What does, by top rank, by not winning this purse, does it just make them positionally weaker to be like we can't promote you in the way we want to because they're still getting paid because they are the promoter come promotion company for TFU Malo, but like you're saying they're still getting 700k out of this
1: so in theory it's actually it's not good for top rank in terms of optics, but in terms of financially, it's great for them. They don't have to pay. They made it. Yeah. this fight technically, that's kind of same, They don't what have I'm to pay saying, for right? promotion. They don't have to do anything. The Triller is doing all of it. Triller is paying Team Kimilov. Triller, Triller is paying them, and yes.
0: Triller is paying his opponent. So this is only bad in the long term, right? Because in the long term, they will lose leverage. Saying like, "Hey, we're not we're not even having." People, boxers will say, "You're not even hosting fights anymore. Why would I sign with you?"
1: It's also bad for ESPN because they're the biggest losers because they lose out on an undisputed lightweight champion fighting on their platform. Mm. Um, but it just doesn't... Look, it doesn't look good for top rank at all. And to me, I wouldn't want to fight for them.
0: Right, because how much are they... How much can you get by fighting with them versus being independent or going to somewhere else?
1: Right. This is Tiafemo Lopez we're talking about. He just beat Lomachenko. Like he's a, he's a star. budding star in the he's game a star. yeah and it's like you're treating him that way you treat Terrence Crawford that way like why would like anyone want to stick him?
0: around gotcha so okay. it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays
1: out huh
0: so I have so many questions about this but I guess we could save it for another episode that's more business oriented as opposed to this one But for now, that is relevant because it does matter for the Chris Stevenson fight, obviously, because he is promoted by top rank. It matters, like, going forward for, obviously, the TCML Lopez fight, which should be incredibly entertaining. Um, I do wonder if it has anything to do, and tell me if I'm jumping the gun here, about this whole, like, Canelo fight last night, who, you know, was fighting on DAZN as an independent agent. Like, I'm not sure if that, this kind of, like, thriller, like, bidding on this affects that kind of promotion as well, right? I don't know if there's a a, a world in which Canelo fights on Chiller next where he sees all this money being thrown around there.
1: That money ain't Canelo money.
0: Mm. It's not <laughs> enough. It's just not like enough. Point blank, it's not. Gotcha.
1: I don't know. Maybe they do have money to pay Canelo.
0: But and not. I'm
1: sure that if they did, he would most definitely do it. But I just don't... We haven't seen it yet. I think he gave they gave Mike like ten, Roy mm-hmm. and Mike like ten or something like that, which is fine. But Canelo is like a thirty billion dollar fighter.
0: Got it. Got so it. okay, I do
1: think with the top rank thing, it's going to, it might lead into more fighters doing like what PBC does, where they're not really they're like a network. And fighters just sign, like, one fight promotional deal with their promote like TGP, mm. stuff like that. Or fighters just becoming completely independent and fighting wherever whoever
0: gives them the most money. So, to that point, we have a newly pro fighter that we wanted to talk about, Keyshawn Davis. He is going to be promoted by Matchroom, correctly? I assume so. Because of the whole situation. Why don't you talk a little bit about who he is, because I know you wanted to hit on him.
1: Right, so uh, Keyshawn Davis was an amateur standout from America, well, the United States of America. Um, he's from Virginia, so DMV guy. You um, and he was probably, I know some circles called him the best US prospect since Andre Ward, which wow. is high praise. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a immensely, immensely talented. I've seen a lot of his amateur fights. He's a really really good boxer and i think he was the favorite in his weight class to get the gold medal which is pretty impressive for an american fighter because usually the eastern europeans or the cubans are the favorites but you know quichon was a very very talented fighter um and i kind of noticed in passing that he was on the card like maybe like a week ago and i had asked like the timeline i was like he went pro. I thought he was going to the Olympics because you know the Olympics are happening this summer.
0: Yes, in theory.
1: And then, um, shout out to my guy. Wait one second. He's important. I'm gonna get his name right. My guy Carson Carson Merck. He's the co-host of the Porter Way podcast with Sean Porter. He followed me a couple of months ago. Cool dude. He sent me an article. And he was talking about how he was actually, um, his amateur status was revoked by the U.S. boxing, USA boxing for some form of like improper benefits. That's what they said. So this is purely assumption. I don't know what actually happened. I would assume that in lieu of him fighting in, the Olympics he signed a deal with Matchroom for when he finished in the Olympics he would turn pro with Matchroom and I assume USA Boxing found out about that and maybe Tijon didn't know that it was illegal not legal, but not against the rules
0: against the rules yeah and
1: they revoked his amateur status so he went pro
0: You know, it's probably better for him in the long run anyways. I mean, gold medals are great, but who knows what happens with this whole COVID situation, when the Olympics are actually going to be, because they might get delayed even further if there's another outbreak, if things don't work well, and he might have to delay his pro career even further. And, you know, years in boxing matter, you know, so this might be the best thing happening. He's young but you know, how many years you don't you don't want to count your chickens before they're ca- they're hatched i guess right you want to get it started as soon as possible it's the whole like yeah. why go to college to play college basketball you know why not just go pro actually he's
1: 22 which isn't old that's not, old by that's me, not super young though you know what i'm saying like guys like tfp Lopez is a champion he's like 21 22 yeah. and he's 21 22 he's a champion uh, Colbert's similar age so
0: so he should know, probably be pro and he should probably go you know get yeah. the strap if he can
1: yeah and you know he had a second round knockout in his debut so shout out to him um I'll definitely be keeping an eye on his pro career cause you know like I said he's one of the best amateur prospects you've had in a very long time yeah, at least and- in Shakur Stevenson
0: yeah yeah it'll, it'll be interesting you didn't mention what weight he fought at. I don't think.
1: I believe he fights at lightweight.
0: Lightweight. Okay, just making sure. Could be, yeah. So it could be. It could bring an interesting piece to that whole division, which is already very interesting at this time in boxing.
1: So yeah, he fights at lightweight.
0: Okay, gotcha. the The other big thing that we should probably hit on, um, or a couple of big things, is the is the Canelo fight from last night so did you i mean all i took from that is Canelo's is really good and he's better than the dude that he fought and i kind of just was like okay i wasn't interested in this before because i didn't think this dude was going to be a challenge and now i can really see it's not a challenge but it is always beautiful to watch canelo box because he's very very good at it
1: <laughs> yeah it was like uh boxing politics is so weird so Yodrum fought Anthony Durrell, who also fought last night to a draw. But it was a pretty uncomfortable fight. Um, he fought Anthony Durrell to a technical decision and he lost due to a cut that Anthony Durrell got from a headbutt in the fight. So Darrell won the and that was for the vacant WBC belt that David Benavidez lost on the from the cocaine scandal. So the WBC was basically like, okay. You will fight the winner of durrell versus Benavidez. Why? I have no idea. He lost the fight. So he hasn't fought since like 2019.
0: Yeah, that was the other thing. I was like, this dude hasn't fought in so long. Why is he getting a he fight with Canelo? He hasn't fought since that fight. Yeah, but why is he getting a fight with Canelo?
1: Because <laughs> he's the mandatory for no reason. So Benavidez,
0: <laughs>
1: I who do you remember who he fought when he missed weight?
0: No, uh, I don't. Hold on, um, let me see Let's go to Boxing so, Rick and find out For some out. reason,
1: oh, he couldn't He couldn't fight Benavidez Because he couldn't get into the US Because of COVID So, Benavidez fought someone else Lost the belt on the scales Canelo won it in the Kyle Smith fight Because Kyle Smith was also A mandatory He was also a mandatory So they made it for the vacant belt Canelo beat the shit out of Kyle Smith In the WBC Mandatory They were like, alright, you gotta fight Yildirim canelo was like ah this guy's not that good i'll fight him all two months um, and then yeah. he also he also scheduled the billy joe saunders fight after this fight to like pre-scheduled that fight so basically no one thought that uh he was gonna win it was actually funny um one of the homies dm me like also slick shit. he was like yo i know you're really in the boxing do you think Canelo is going to get him out of there in three rounds or less? I'm like, dude, if you want to bet on boxing, just say that. You don't got to, you don't got to avail it with like, yo, I know you're really into boxing. <laughs> like, shout out to him, though. It's all love, though. He actually thinking about in three rounds, though, so
0: so yeah, he
1: made money on that bet.
0: That is hilarious. Um, yeah,
1: Canelo beat the shit out of him. Not even like beat the shit out of him, beat the shit out of him, but he beat him to the point where he was like, you know what? I don't want to do this.
0: He, like, little brother beat him up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't even... Canelo's really good at boxing. And Adrian Elso is obviously, for now, the trainer of the year. And, you know, he's beautiful whole body shots and hooks and everything's great. Everything's great about Canelo. But that dude shouldn't have been in there with him. And that's kind of like, I was like, I, I was less motivated to watch it because there was no intrigue as to what would happen. You know? Like, I did not in my heart of hearts believe that Ildryman had a chance. So it's kind of like, all right, I watched this just to watch it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's a Canelo fight. You're going to watch a Canelo fight.
0: That's what I'm saying. I watched it because Canelo's fighting and it's just to watch it. It's not really to like... It was
1: interesting. Like, he knocked him down. But he but it didn't seem... Let me purpose this by saying Any punch by Canelo Alvarez is going to hurt for sure. But, you know, I've seen guys get beat up worse by Canelo Alvarez and fight longer than
0: that. Maybe his heart wasn't in it.
1: He was like, oh, I don't want any more of this.
0: Yeah, he's like, like, I don't want this. Nine
1: more rounds of this? Yeah. They already paid me.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's like, I came, I got my money, got my Canelo fight. A bunch of people saw him. He had his chance. It was a fun night for Miami, I imagine. No COVID there.
1: Yeah, they was. there was in there. It was like fifteen thousand people. So yeah, it was uh, fun night. Miami. was there. Shakur was there. Uh, Valerie Lareda from Bellator was there. Yeah, uh, I think Jamel Charlo was there too. I think Charlo. I
0: day. think Charlo was there. Yeah, it was. It was crazy, right? Like it was just like a bunch of celebrities and people, and it it looked like a regular night in Miami. It yeah,
1: was also a very weird picture of Terence Crawford, DeJesus, Andrade, and Danny Garcia together and I'm like Danny Garcia and Terrence Crawford don't like each other so I don't know why they took that
0: picture but maybe they didn't know nobody else there they were just hanging out they're like hey hey <laughs> no, they
1: were, no they were like oh they are like my 08 bros. So they were on the amateur system together he was like oh my 08 bros and it was like oh guys like, oh all love bro I was like this is fucking weird
0: maybe they do like each other now <laughs> anyways we're not we're not boss up for boxing so but it is what it is. Okay. Uh, oh, the, there's one other thing we wanted to hit. We wanted to hit the fact that the greatest woman fighter, greatest woman boxer of all time is, is, is boxing again soon, right?
1: Right. So, Friday, actually, Clarissa Shields is fighting for the undisputed 154-pound title against Mary E. Declare. I think it's like, right now, Declare,
0: She has been in camp mode a lot. She'd be tweeting, like, it. so... She's getting ready for this, I'm sure. This should be pretty easy, right? Like, this isn't even, like, a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, her opponent's undefeated. But, you know, uh, that doesn't really matter too much, in my opinion. Yeah. Because um, she was, should be heads and shoulders over everyone around her weight. Um. So, I foresee this being a very quick... Not quick, but a very easy fight for her.
0: Canella like um, a fair. Yeah. It's the
1: second women's pay per view fight ever, I think. Ever? I ever. think Layla Le- Ali had a pay per view. Okay. Back in the day. But I think it's $25 on Fight TV.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Good for her. Like that, I mean, that is the right direction, right? Do yeah, thirty dollars. It's still not that bad. Yeah, that that is the right direction for a women's boxing. It's also
1: the first all-women's pay-per-view ever.
0: Oh, that heard. is very interesting, actually. Yeah. Huh. Oh well, yeah, you sh- people should probably watch that if they can get a chance because anytime you get to see the greatest of any sport do something, it's a special, right? So it's like, you know, anytime like anyone like regardless of sport, tennis, golf, whatever it is. But boxing especially, we, we, we live in a special time with both Amanda Nunez and Clarissa Shields for women's combat sports where we truly get to see the two best to ever do it, doing it, you know? And that, that's kind of cool to me. Like the same thing with tennis, like the fact that we get to see Serena, like Venus Williams, obviously great and all. And we saw her and there's been a long line of famous women tennis players, but we saw Serena. We saw Serena in her prime, like that is special as well. So, anytime you have a goat, it's just really cool.
1: And, you know, Curse is moving to MMA too, so her, yep. her story is still being written.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what she does in, in the PF- PFL, right? We talked about this. Yeah. Yeah, PFL. yeah, she's
1: not in the tournament. She'll be doing, like, one-off. One-off fights.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Um, so yeah, is there anything else you wanted to hit on the boxing side before we switch over?
1: Um ab1 but
0: he lost so yeah yeah i'm a an b hater so i'll keep my opinions to myself um but he definitely didn't win that fight uh anyways um blade shout out to him though he has more than 13 dollars in his
1: pocket
0: now <laughs> yeah I, anyways um <laughs> blades and lewis last week was a was a was a really fun fight um man Derek lewis is something else every time they think he can't win he wins and he's just getting better every fight and it's really interesting to see him get better every fight and all the credit to him and it looks like you know depending on who wins and what happens with john jones so depending if nganu or stipe wins their match and whoever whoever john jones fights out of the two of them that lewis might be next in line so that's kind of interesting um, and I know I know you're a Curtis Blades fan, so I'll let you talk to Curtis Blades, but I, I would say that, you know, Blades suffered a loss, but he looked really, really good in round one, and he has still has a very bright future, I think, in the UFC and could possibly be champion one day, but that's just a tough night when you run into someone whose forearm can knock you out. Like, there's no two ways about it. Like, there's two guys in the division who can knock you out, even if they're not landing clean, and that's Nganu and Lewis, and that's who Blades lost to, and that just sucks. And that, but that's just how the dice rolls at heavyweight, right? When you run into all heavyweights can knock each other out, all heavyweights have incredible power, but those two are in a class of their own when it comes to power at the heaviest weight class in MMA. So that's what I had on that.
1: And you know, I might be biased here, but I think. Mean- legitimately if they were to fight 10 times I'm sure Curtis Blades would probably come out with the majority of the wins in that situation
0: I think 7 out of 10 times Blades wins, yes
1: but I think the big thing with Curtis Blades is that he doesn't quite trust his striking enough I think I think he has I think he has better striking than he thinks he has and I think his goal, with his striking, is to always set up the takedowns. Even when he's having success on the feet, you can kind of tell he's literally looking to set up takedowns with his striking. And I think if he can, like, evolve his game to where people won't be able to predict, like, okay, you know, I know the, the blast double is coming. So... You know i just have to sit and wait until he goes for it you know i think he would be better and i think a good i'm always suggesting camps for people to switch to but if he was thinking about switching camps i think aka would probably be the best camp for him because those are the styles of fighters that they have there
0: right they have a lot of wrestling heavy people who need to learn or who have learned to strike at a competent level to set up their wrestling and to mask it when needed now i will say this about blades though the one thing is like yes you're right maybe he's not necessarily confident in his striking and he's more confident in his 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 double legs and everything and that's obviously all true he was winning that fight right he He could have kept winning that fight had he been just just had he used just a threat of the takedown right like he didn't have to do it he wanted to do it because that's where he's comfortable um, and that's kind of alluding to what you said, where maybe he's not as confident in his striking. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But I think the big thing is like learning to be comfortable where you're not comfortable, where it's a situation where you can be striking the entire time and just fake the takedown over and over and over again just to keep Lewis where he's at. But to lewis's credit, you know, even though he was losing that fight, he knew what to look for and he knew how to time it right. And I don't think. I don't think a lot of other people in the heavyweight division would have done that as well as he did. Like I, One thing I want to do is I want to give credit to Derrick Lewis for his improved timing, for his you know improved gas tank. He has made a lot of the changes necessary to get better at what he's already good at and to accentuate his power. He has built up a game around accentuating his power and placing his power in the right place. And that's going to take you really, really far When you have his kind of power So, like, I think Blades Like, yes, he lost to Lewis And maybe if he tunes it up a little He would have won that fight a little more easily But I think Blades would have In that current iteration of who Blades is now Could have beaten most of the heavyweights You know what I'm saying? It's just, Lewis is getting better He's actually an elite heavyweight now Whether we like it or not, you know?
1: No, I I like Derrick Lewis a lot I think he's one absolutely hilarious. Yes. And two, you know, he is interesting because he's kind of almost like Deontay Wilder in a sense where he's like breaking all so. the rules of the sport, very but he's much still so. finding t- tremendous success.
0: So I'm going to ask you a weird question. Snappy and I were discussing whether or not Derek Lewis's nickname is racist. Do you find if it to pick, be?
1: If he pick it, if he, he picked, he, it, he, it's he not picked
0: racist. it he picked it snappy still thinks it's
1: racist he picked it.
0: okay i mean that's a perfectly that's my opinion as well right but i i think a lot of a lot of people
1: now if there were if he was out in the in the street being kimbo slice before someone gone to an mma gym and someone called him the black beast and he adopted it that might be a little bit questionable but My understanding. He was just like, if he oh, what's your it. what's your MMA nickname? He's like, oh, I'm gonna be the Black Beast.
0: Yeah, I think he picked it. it story a, I will say this. Go ahead.
1: Sometimes, and I'm not. I'm really not trying to make this like a race thing because I know, I know the fan base that MMA has, and they they, they get a little sensitive when they talk about race. <laughs> but it's a little weird hearing Michael Buffer just scream the Black Beast.
0: Sometimes. It is. It is, which I think Snappy's problem was, and I I was just curious as to your opinion on it because it's definitely, it definitely can be put people in uncomfortable situations. But if someone wants to be called something, you got to call them that, right?
1: Yeah, but it's interesting that we're talking about Derek Lewis and his game because I think last night Mm. we saw someone attempt the same thing and not be as successful with uh, Cyril Ghosn and Jairzini Rosenstroke.
0: Very much so. In continuation of the heavyweight extravaganza we're having this month, so UFC is really showing a lot of love to the heavyweights. Last night was Cyril Ghosn versus Jairzini Rosenstroke, And it was it was a pretty great fight for Gone. I have to say. It was a pretty fa- great fight for Cyril Gone. I
1: actually have a talking point. We might have, like, five plus minutes on. But, you know it was a very very impressive fight from cyril gone you know he knew exactly it was like he looked at the alistair overing fight
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he was like okay let me do this but not lose focus
0: yes exactly i'm so pissed that overing lost that fight because he won that fight you know what i'm saying like overing was anyways beside the point. yeah i mean you know
1: it H- happens
0: protect yourself at all times protect yourself at all times protect yourself uh-huh. at all he was just you know,
1: he completely he completely neutralized jarginho rosenstrike's offense completely and it didn't really seem like rosenstrike had a, a different game plan other than to sit back and wait for the counter he
0: looked he looked tense like he looked intense right like R- rosenstrike's face the entire time was very much locked in but his body was super tense. Like, he was not as loose as he usually is with his striking, right? Like, not that he's super fluid or graceful necessarily, but he knows how to strike. He's been kickboxing a long time, you know what I'm saying? And when you were when you, when I was watching him last night, I think he was so scared of the threat of the takedown and Cyril Gan's well-roundedness that it kind of caused him to freeze up a little bit and only search for the big shot like he only felt comfortable throwing things that he knew could knock him out if that made sense like there was no like let me pepper you with the jab or let me get my combinations off or you know let me like be springy with my kicks it was very much like okay i'm gonna send some power your way when i think it's appropriate as opposed to like let me set up these with like actual like shots and combos he looked heavy almost you know what i'm saying like rosen And Gan looked the opposite. Super light, snapping out his jab, you know, doing the right things, mixing in the takedowns, mixing in, like, you know, putting him against the cage, controlling the fight, controlling the distance. He just looked better in every aspect of MMA all around.
1: Yeah, I remember in the first round, he threw out this jab, and I was like, wow, that is a fast jab. Mm -hmm. It was fast and accurate. I was like, oh if that's his job that's gonna be a problem in the heavyweight division indeed indeed can't block
0: it yeah in fact and like unless your name's volkov like i think you're gonna have a lot of trouble with like because cyril Gan is kind of long even in the heavyweight division like he's got good reach you know he made Rosenstrick not look small but he definitely looked bigger than him you know what i'm saying <laughs> so it's gonna be a real problem like you're saying you know what else i noticed is that cyril Gan, like looks really healthy at heavyweight. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he looks in... Inch- like, most heavyweights, like, obviously they're all elite athletes and, like, you know, they're all strong and big and everything. But the way he moves and the way he carries himself, like, it looks very, very natural. Like, he just woke up that day and is like, all right, cool. I'm going to go play outside. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's a little different. He might, he might be the best pure athlete in the division, honestly.
0: Interesting. Because he
1: just looks... He looks and is fast. Like he's very fast. He's very light on his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's you know, what I'm That was reading. a little bit of a different game than we saw before because he's been getting guys out of there. So we haven't really seen his long game. And it's like, oh, he has really good stand-up. He's really fast. He's really light on his feet. He can he can keep you at the end of his
0: jab. And right? his gas tank doesn't seem to be an issue. Like, yeah. like it doesn't seem to be that much of an issue. I know John Jones is like, oh, these big dudes better you know be ready to push the pace or whatever and Francis Ngannou laughed at him there was some Twitter back and forth watching this fight but like I don't think he looked slow and so I was a little confused as to why like you know John Jones says that but you know he says a lot of things
1: yeah I think what he was getting at was that Don set the pace for the fight it was a very slow pace fight it was he was fast, but he definitely had it like in like sort of like a metronome kind of.
0: No, for sure. I see what you're saying. And Rhythm I think wise. John
1: is insinuating that if they were to fight, he would push the pace more, which is weird because he doesn't do that like that.
0: And not anymore. Yeah. It's not no. anymore. Yeah. It's been a couple years. So, and yeah, pushing so. the pace against heavyweights is super dangerous. Because if you get clipped. <laughs> I, yeah. I think Gone might. It's like.
1: I think he's going to be a champion one day. And, uh, you know, I agree. I think he his skill set is just super diverse for the division.
0: And, and it's interesting. He's leads su- me into go ahead.
1: What my talking point was: people were saying that the fight was born. Really? Yeah, a lot of Dana. Well, Dana always. Dana says any fight that doesn't end in a knockout was born. Ah. A lot of people, a lot of writers said it was born. Like and. I enjoyed it. Interesting, <laughs> because we like technical fighting.
0: That's true. We like everything. We do. We do like I everything. Think
1: you and I specifically, we we enjoy technical fighting.
0: Especially okay. from dudes that big, you don't expect that yeah. shit.
1: <laughs> right. So I think, but it's interesting because I saw some maybe like a year ago I read an article where people were talking about how like the finishes in MMA have like trended down. Mm-hmm. the number of finishes have trended down and he was saying that he thinks it's because fighters are getting more technical so it's like they don't have to you know in the in the 2000s they're you know brawling basically yeah
0: win by any means guys
1: are like oh i can keep guys at the end of my jab or my front kick or you know i can manage the distance to where i'm not doing a lot of like dangerous stuff or I can grapple you to death so I can keep the fight on the ground where I'm not doing damage and you can't and you can't escape so I win. Right. So my question to you is, do you think that's true?
0: Yeah, I think it's totally true. I think the game is evolving and getting better. But I think while finishes might be trending downward, I think that the fights aren't necessarily getting less exciting. I think there's still plenty of, you know, brawls out there, and I think there's still plenty of points where things have to happen but it's kind of like boxing in that sense right like it's not easy to knock a boxer out you know in the same way that eventually it's going to be really hard to like finish someone in MMA like how do I put it if you if you if you take the boxing analogy further, like boxing been around what 200 years, 300 years, something 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 ridiculous. It's been around a long time.
1: As like an official, like yes rules were established then. Yeah, sure. like 150
0: years. a Long time. Really long time, right? And now what you've seen is it's developed into this beautiful technical art, right? And where you have like very specific skill sets that work very, very well and very highly specialized styles that work on very specialized types of bodies and it creates these you know these monsters like who are just amazing at like hitting and not getting hit right and eventually mma is going to have their version of that it's never going to be the same right because there's a lot more variables in mma but eventually you're going to have a version of mma in which it's really really hard to finish the other person depending on the stylistic matchup so i agree with what you said and what the article says to a certain extent that the finishes will trend down and it will continue to be less and less fireworksy. But I, where I disagree is that, or I'm not saying that you're necessarily saying this either, but where I disagree with what, what that implies is that I don't think this makes it any less exciting. In fact, I think as a result, the same way boxing is, it's going to be even more exciting you know in 10-20 years where people can really get into what's happening. Because right now, some of the issue is that it's sloppy, right? Sometimes people look at it and they look at MMA and they say the fighting is sloppy. Like a lot of boxing periods will say like the striking is sloppy. A lot of like kickboxing periods will say like, why do they stand like this? A lot of wrestling periods will be like, why do they have this? But eventually it's gonna evolve into something where it takes, where it truly takes the best aspects of each of its composite sports and puts them on display
1: right but I think what people are finding issue in is that MMA has always been sold as like
0: Lux and Glory
1: the anti boxing
0: yeah that's like
1: oh guys get put to sleep here oh you can go you can tune in on Spike TV and see someone get choked out and then you got the Just Bleed guy you know all you know all that shit right right
0: here's here's the thing no, though right do you
1: think but do you think that it'll lose fans if it becomes more technical
0: i don't think so like i don't know because of here's why i don't think that's the case right here's my fundamental difference between mma and boxing and it, it's different than most people's fundamental differences the fundamental difference is when i tune into an mma fight i don't know who's gonna win last night i knew who was gonna win i knew canelo was gonna win there was no way like, there, there's, yes, there's, everyone has a puncher's chance, so, you know, yada, yada, yada. Maybe Canelo slips on the canvas and falls into the guy's punch and he, you know, goes to sleep. But I knew who was going to win. Because of the business model in MMA currently, you don't know who's going to win. And that creates a level of drama and a level of tension that even if the fight isn't necessarily, like, instantaneous KOs and super, like, devastating, like, you know, like, I don't know, knees to the face, like, Masvidal style... Because you don't know who's going to win, and because you have that level of tension and drama in the air and suspense, and because the best always have to fight the best, I think overall you're going to tend towards a entertaining product. You know what I'm saying?
1: I agree. Mm-hmm. But I just see the way people react to certain fights, and the way they talk about certain fights like Kamara man.
0: Yeah, I don't understand that at all I think that's weird because Kamara Usman's fight against Colby Covington was super entertaining you know what I'm saying Kamara Usman's fight against Gilbert Burns was entertaining it, neither of those were boring like yes he had a knock against him and Jorge Masvidal that was a boring fight whatever and speaking of which apparently this just got tweeted out uh, there's Jorge Masvidal confirms Kamara Usman UFC title target for September wants future big paydays in boxing via BJPen.com
1: well be, uh that's not like a super credible source.
0: It's not a super credible source. Let's see if Ariel's confirmed it yet or if anyone else has confirmed it. Jorge Masvidal. No. Uh, some, I, I I can't pronounce the guy's name. Sandu. You know, the, I think he's a, the Indian guy that covers MMA for BT Sport. Um, he tweeted out something. Jorge Masvidal says his title fight with Kamar Usman is going down in September. So this might be a thing. Of course, this might just be nothing. But, yeah. Anyways, the point is, I don't think Kamaru Usman's a boring fighter. But I get what you're saying.
1: I don't think he's a boring fighter anyway either, but, like, to me, if you remove I guess, like that's, a, that's not a fair comparison to say. compare him and Khabib.
0: The thing is Khabib's Khabib exciting because guys. like Khabib's exciting because he finishes people and he he does something that I think everyone's just amazed by. You know what I'm saying? There's just a spectacle to be I think right, there are boring, his, boring fighters. Is this
1: shit really that fundamentally different than Kamaru's?
0: um yeah i think so i think that the wrestling just looks different right and this is this is something that i think a lot of people on face value won't understand but i think the way khabib chain wrestles looks different in practice than the way kamaru enacts his wrestling um i think khabib's a lot more like higher pace wrestling whereas Kamaru's a lot more like grinded out wrestling if that makes sense you know what i'm saying Khabib's constantly trying to advance to the next position to, like, get to the bottom. Kamaru and a lot of other good American collegiate wrestlers are looking for control to ground and pound. So there is a fundamental difference there. And again, maybe I'm talking out of my ass here. But the way I see it, at least, is that transitional wrestling and trying to move and positionally advance even slowly and, like, sort of, like, suffocating you is different than what Kamaru does. But I think what Kamaru is is fascinating is his ability to mix his striking which has he been doing with his wrestling right against a lot of opponents and I think I think they're exciting for different reasons and I think people are boring for different reasons I know a lot of casuals that hate Khabib I know a lot of casuals that really really wanted Connor to win simply because Khabib was a wrestler you know so it's hard to say it's hard to say that's a great topic though huh I'm not sure a lot of people are reporting this, that Jorge Masvidal said he's fighting for the belt in September. But I'm not sure if that's like an actual thing. Anyways, is there anything else you wanted to hit on that topic?
1: Uh, how you? So he's just going to lose and then get an immediate rematch?
0: Oh no, I don't know if that's happening or not.
1: Uh, but no, we let's should... talk about this week's pay-per-view.
0: This big pay-per-view? Yeah, so... Oh, my God, I got to pull it up. There's so much stuff going on. So this week is one of the UFC's like biggest events of the year easily. Uh, they have, I think, what, three title fights going on? Yep. Yeah. So they have obviously um, Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blahovic for the light heavyweight title. They have um, Amanda Nunez fighting Megan Anderson, I believe. For I'm not sure if it was the bantamweight title. Um, she one of her titles featherweight. Featherweight, featherweight featherweight and then they have aljamain sterling and peter Yan fighting so my god which is the bantamweight title about and then the rest of the card is also st- stacked by the way like islam makachev returns to fight drew dober that's 14 and 15 tiago santos versus santos versus alexander Rachik, which is number four and number two like the prelims has dominic cruz on it <laughs> versus casey kenny um, you know, Joseph Benavidez is fighting Askar Askarov. Like, there's just so many names on this card.
1: Yeah. It's so stacked that Dominic Cruz is on the,
0: the prelims. On the it is wild. Um, And so, yeah, this main card is going to be crazy. Who are your picks?
1: I can't call the main event at all, man. It's, it's hard, hard to man. say, right? Because it's like... I've always been, when it comes to combat sports, mostly boxing, but I've kind of adopted it the same way to mixed martial arts. I always tend to favor speed over power.
0: So, in that case, you're taking Izzy because you think Izzy's faster than Yav.
1: I think I'm just, I'm literally just going by the fights that I've seen of Yav which is a fair amount. He's he's a very talented striker and, a and very he's
0: very powerful. powerful. Yeah,
1: but he has that kind of like plant your foot in the ground power. Like he generates mm-hmm. a lot of like flat footed like power. Yep. And I don't know if that is going to be effective against Izzy. But it's also I'm also like. Izzy is not exactly, like, the biggest guy in the world. Like, I know, I've heard people say that he's much, he looks a lot bigger in person. Yeah. But, you know, so I don't know. I, and my main thing about guys moving up in weight, especially from light heavyweight, not from middleweight to light heavyweight, because that's a big jump. 20 like, pounds? What is he?
0: 25? 20. No, one eighty five to two hundred would be fifteen, so twenty pounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, what do fast guys look with twenty extra pounds on them? And maybe he does. not And also, to be fair, maybe he doesn't come in at two hundred five.
0: Right, maybe he comes in under. So my 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 reading of the situation is: Izzy has won in kickboxing at heavyweight, and you know, Jan is not necessarily a heavy wrestling wrestling heavy guy he's more of a kickboxer so maybe izzy wins because izzy's the better pure kickboxer now where you're right and where i'm nervous about that is like when you go up 15 pounds and you add grappling that's a huge deal (laughs) you know is someone they can't hold you in kickboxing right like they can't hold you up against the cage, they can't drag you down. And not that Izzy's not a, doesn't have great takedown defense and all the other stuff, but like there's no real defense for getting held against the cage other than trying to slip out. And if someone's already 15 pounds heavier and stronger than you, you know, maybe they can impose their will. I think this is a really good test for Izzy that Izzy will win. But I do not think unless it comes by like, you know, axe kick knockout or something ridiculous. I do not think it'll be easy. I think it'll be very competitive. Like, you have the potential for, like, John Jones gustafson one. You know what I'm saying? You have the potential for that kind of war here.
1: Yeah, because, like, I just can't think, I can't get away from the fact that I already know what like, gonna be 220 in
0: there. Yo, Jan is gonna be 220 in there. He's huge. Yeah. He's not a small man.
1: Yeah, and, like, I remember, I just, I, I can't get over the fact that, like, I have literally heard out of the mouth of Geron Asanya that he like walks around like 195
0: 190 it's a crazy time so it's like giving up that much weight is crazy but maybe he's been bulking up you know we don't know
1: yeah and to be fair I'm sure Paulo Costa in in there was around 2 something
0: that's true I think Paulo Costa is not as talented as a striker as Jan Blahovic, but Paulo Costa is better at grappling yeah
1: so i don't know i i find it hard to pick against izzy but like this is actually a very hard fight but i also can't escape the fact that him and city kickboxing are very strategic in how they move indeed i do not think that he would have taken this fight if he didn't have a solid plan to win
0: exactly so the next fight, the next champ fight on the card, I mean, I'm taking Amanda Nunez. Even though Megan Anderson's good and long, I just don't think it's anything Amanda hasn't seen before. Unless Amanda's not as focused now because, you know, of her child. Or Megan just, it's just so long that Amanda can't get to her. I'm just taking the GOAT, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm not picking against Amanda Nunez ever. So.
0: Yeah. And then the next fight is also a toss-up in a lot of ways. Algermaine Sterling versus Peter Yan. Who you got?
1: stand so i'm going out aljo yeah man i don't P- peter yan is a very good fighter um i don't think he's really been tested in the grappling since i know he has a combat sambo background so i'm sure he's perfectly fine on the ground but you know one also is a huge 135 pound guy like he's huge
0: yeah he's not 135 like, he when he walks in, in that cage that's for sure
1: yeah he he was in with, I think he said he walks around like 160, 170.
0: That's, that's, yeah. That is and, I don't know how he gets to 135 then.
1: And he was in the ring with Corey Sanhiggin who's also a big 135 pound guy and he looked tremendously
0: bigger than him. He mauled him too.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't Peter think y- it would be that easy against Jan.
0: I don't think so either.
1: Um, but,
0: but Jan I, is smaller than both of them. Like, he yeah. might be stronger, but he's smaller than both of them.
1: He is. I just can't see if Aljo gets his hands on Jan, if how Jan gets out of that situation.
0: That's that's what I agree, to. I think it's going to be a game of distance management for Peter Jan. I'm also taking Aljo to win because I want Aljo to win. Um, but I think it's a game of distance management for Peter Jan. If he can keep Aljo away and, you know, poke at him and, kind of dance around him for five rounds he could win this on decision but i think if he can't do that i just gonna take him down maul him and that's gonna be that you know and it's gonna be quick and decisive you know like because like when aljo gets you on the ground as we saw in that Corey sanhagen fight it is very quick and very decisive
1: right you know i feel like you see a lot of guys who are like american wrestlers who Progress through like the the BJJ ranks because they know a lot of like the grappling, yeah, grappling stuff. He looks like he's a real like,
0: like he knows what he's doing. He's under Matt Sarah and Longo, so they they know what they're doing, yeah,
1: yeah. But like, I just want to make a point of that because it's a little for people who don't know, it's a little bit different for him, at least to me, perspective wise, Mm -hmm. his like grappling versus like other guys who are dominant wrestlers
0: You're right it's it's different for him versus right. justin gaethje it's very different
1: yeah
0: like yes they're both wrestlers and they both wrestle in the american system but who he's training under makes it different right but yeah all right i think we should probably stop there because it's a pretty long episode and we covered a lot of ground we covered the main title fight so this upcoming pay-per-view card is gonna be super exciting uh maybe we'll talk about it more next is it next week or is it two weeks from now it's next week right it's next week yeah so we'll definitely recap it and and see how right or wrong we were this episode will definitely come out before then so you know be on the lookout for it like comment subscribe you know talk to us you know tell us what we got wrong tell us what we could do better you got anything for them man
1: oh nothing more than that just thanks for supporting we'll see y'all
0: next week all right y'all peace and love